But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beating his breast said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke chapter 18, verse 13. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So Jesus tells this story of the two people who went up to the temple, right? The Pharisee, who was um, very self-satisfied with his righteous deeds. Um, And make no mistake, they were righteous deeds. It's good to fast and tithe and to not be an adulterer. Like, they are good things. But he was so self-satisfied. And then there's the tax collector. Famously, the King James calls him the publican. You know, it's often referred to as the Pharisee and the publican. um, Who won't even look up to heaven, beats his breast, says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus commends the second man, the tax collector, says, that man is justified. Right? That word justified, that rich word we see throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's letter, letters to Romans and to the Galatians, right? it's another way of talking about being made right before God, the one who's reconciled to Almighty God. It's the tax collector who's reconciled. Um, I want you to extend the story out a little bit further in your mind. So picture these two guys in the temple. Um, That day comes to an end. They both go home and take their supper. And I want you to think about the next day in the temple. And sort of just imagine with me, let's say the Pharisee goes off and does some Pharisee, whatever Pharisees do during the day. Um, And the tax collector who was there the previous day shows up again. And he shows up this time. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other tax collectors, that I said a great prayer of repentance yesterday. And a new tax collector comes in, and he says what the guy had said yesterday, God be merciful to me, uh, a sinner. Which of these walks away justified, right? The new, the new one. Jesus isn't telling this parable to say, guys, this is something that is really important that you say once, and then you're good, right? He's giving us a pattern for prayer for the whole of the Christian life. Right? This isn't sort of be like the tax collector once. It's take this prayer into your life. God, be merciful to me. A sinner. Um, there actually is a long and deep and wonderful Christian tradition that stems out of this parable that Jesus tells that I want to preach on this morning, and it's called the Jesus Prayer. Uh, and that's the title, uh, Lincoln mentioned it in, in catechism this morning, that's the title for a very simple prayer that's an expansion of uh, the prayer that we hear on the lips of the tax collector, adding what we know about how we are reconciled to God. So the, the Jesus Prayer is this, it's very simple. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, remember the tax collector says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We're just expanding what we know about God and the one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called um, the Jesus Prayer. And unusually, I actually want to preach just about this prayer this morning. Um, I want to unpack it because it's meant so much to me in my uh, pursuit of Jesus. So um, the goal of the prayer is actually just to keep praying it, to keep praying it over and over. The New Testament says that we are called as Christians to pray without ceasing. And I think the question we should ask, well, what are you supposed to pray without ceasing? Um, The Bible tells us there's a couple things that we could always be praying as Christians, and one of them is the tax collector's prayer or the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, because the petition there is for mercy. And when are we not in need of God's mercy? He always is, we are always before him as our, he is our judge and our savior. We stand always in need of mercy. So this idea of keep, continuing to pray it 
to pray it so much that it becomes like a habit of the heart and the mind that can that God can use to just regularly bring you back to himself, to the knowledge, the awareness of his presence unseen in our lives, back to the foot of the cross. The um, the Jesus prayer, is a, it's an especial treasure of our, our Eastern brothers and sisters, and by Eastern, I mean Russian and Greek, the, the Eastern Orthodox Church, they really treasure this as a discipleship tool, and it's a wonderful one. And as little c Catholic Christians who care about and are connected to the whole body of Christ, um, we sh- we can sort of share the, the good things that we discover with each other. So when we see, I think when I see the Russians and the Greeks cherishing this prayer, it's like, wow, that is a great discipleship tool. I want, I want to borrow that one. So even though sort of they've cultivated this in a more profound way um, in recent centuries, uh, this is how the church speaks, um, uh, we, we can really learn from it as a discipleship tool. And it goes back to the very ancient church. Um, the first traces we get of this Jesus prayer being prayed are in the, the deserts of Egypt when the, in the first monastic movements. Uh, so I want to talk about the Jesus prayer. There's, um, there's two ways of praying it. The first uh, is in just a set time of prayer, that maybe to set apart 15 or even 30 minutes to do nothing but pray the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the first way. The second way is to use it as an arrow prayer in the midst of the day, in whatever you're experiencing, to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm going to say the prayer a lot of times through the course of the sermon so that you have it memorized by the end. Um, there's also a great and godly tradition. Um, I said this is a bit of an unusual sermon. It's almost like a show and tell of this one prayer that I just, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it as we go, but of... Um, uh, of praying it with some sort of a prayer rope, with whether it's any sort of anything which has notches or, or, or beads or knots. I, I have a couple <laughs> um, to just pray with your thumb as you move along with a with a knot to pray each time you, your thumb moves along to a new one. Oh, another chance to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, and the monks were sort of, you know, these days educational theorists will tell you there's all different kinds of learning styles, and one of them is kinesthetic, that to have a physical prompt to remember what you're supposed to do mentally is a great help. And so we're such distracted beings to have something that, kind of the original fidget spinner, um, to, um, actually, if you go to Greece, you'll see all, all the old men kind of playing with these things, um, you know, uh, on the side in the market. Um, it's a prompt. Oh yeah, Lord, you've called me to keep praying to you. Let me pray again, right? It's a physical, a physical prompt. Um, it's so important to say that the Jesus prayer is not a mantra, right? We're not Buddhists. We're not saying this to try and calm ourselves. It's communication. We stand always in a relationship with God, and we talk to Him, right? We're not just saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, Son of Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, right? These. Jesus actually warns against vain and meaningless repetition, which the Jesus prayer could become if your heart wasn't invested in it. And if you try and go too fast, speed is the death of all good prayer. Um, But to take pauses as you pray, bead by bead, taking a moment between each one, not rushing through, but continuing to mean the words that you pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a repeated communication in a relationship, and the communication itself establishes the relationship each time. Right In the simple words of the Jesus prayer, all of the working truths of the gospel are present. That we, Who are we addressing? The Lord Jesus. 
right? A man who's, I can't see with my eyes in this room, but I believe is hearing me, Jesus of Nazareth, who walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, who I'm calling Lord, Master, Boss, King, right? Lord Jesus Christ, Christ meaning Messiah, the chosen one of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Lord Jesus Christ. And who is he in his essence? He's the Son of God, the second person of the Almighty Trinity. We're getting into some good theology in this prayer, right? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, what do we stand in need of? Have mercy on me. Not just kind of bless the world in some abstract sense. I need the kingdom of God, as far as I'm concerned, needs to start to be established here. Have mercy on me. And who am I in in the presence of God? A sinner. When I first learned about the Jesus prayer, I thought this was a real downer. Like, why would I just be rehearsing that I'm a sinner? Aren't I saved? Aren't I ransomed? Yes, you are ransomed by God. Of course, you're more than a sinner because he shows you his mercy. But we are in ourselves always a sinner in need of mercy. And what I've come to be convinced of is that it's actually a really useful downer to remember that we aren't sort of on a high horse before God. No, God, I am a sinner. I'll never forget, um, there's a monastery uh, of Greek monks in, in, in Wisconsin, of all places. Actually, they're Australian Greek Orthodox, so it's a very interesting combination. Um, but the abbot there was, he's, he's got to be in his early 70s. That's the head of the monastery. It's like six monks. Um, and they pray the Jesus prayer together before the 5 a.m. morning prayer service. I mean, the pr- monks are pretty committed prayer guys. And I'll never forget, he prayed it out loud three times to begin this 30-minute prayer time. And to hear this man say, I just have an indelible impression, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the way he said the word sinner, I've just never heard anyone mean the word the way I heard him say it. He actually knew in his heart that he was a sinner, not deserving of God's goodness, right? Not worthy to be called a son, but who has been shown. I just, it was like this just shockwave as he said it into my heart. Like, wow, like... That is a confession of faith. That's a man who believes the words that he's praying. Um, Here I am saying words. Here he is really praying, really praying them. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, Incorporating the Jesus prayer into your daily Christian life um, is also a wonderful way to sink deep into the very heart of liturgical prayer. Um, The Jesus prayer is sort of the most distilled liturgical piece, right? It's a text that we didn't write that you can take on your lips and and turn into a prayer. And the lesson you learn very quickly in such a short liturgy is, oh yeah, I know know these words. Yeah, that's just the beginning. The, The goal is to mean the words like Abbot Nicholas did that time I heard him pray in the monastery. To continue to seek to mean more and more what we're saying and to let through the act of saying it, the prayer sink into your very bones. That's actually when a prayer becomes prayer, becomes your soul talking directly to God, asking him for what you need. It's, it sounds like it should be so easy, and yet we're all such, you know, the, in a, a, wall, a world on this side of the fall, that's actually really tricky, right? To render your whole self before Almighty God, it's like a great inner act. We're also distracted and busy and frustrated and confused. Um, a habit of prayer like this can help shape us to really come before God in the relationship we always claim to have in Jesus Christ. That liturgical prayer is one of the great discipleship tools um, that God uses to bring us to himself. Um, 
it is a struggle to not let it just become sort of a meaningless mantra. But the response to that struggle isn't give up praying it. It's strive to be more earnest, right? Each time I pray, I pray, Lord, I want to mean, I sort of hope, Lord, I want to mean this more than the last time I asked for it. Um, I want to really mean these words. Um, The Jesus prayer, uh, I found, and part of why I want to commit it to you, it's just the best lifeline I know for weathering the storms of life. Whatever trials come, sickness, depression, pain, spiritual despair, uh, temptation, whatever it may be, if there's a habit of prayer, it's like you have an arrow already tight in the bow, ready to be prayed, that when struggle comes along, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It was already ready to fire, rather than, because so often the trials of life, at least if you're like me, they kind of throw this wave of confusion. I'm like, oh, what do I pray? What's going on? I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? And like, if the heart is patterned to a prayer, it's like it can help you pray even before your mind is ready for it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh yeah, Jesus, you're, that's right. I live before you and you're here to help me and you have mercy to show me. I rely on it most actually in temptation. That when sort of something passes by or some thought flies over the mind, before giving it the time of day, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Rescue me from this temptation. As we, as we, as we prayed, you know, began to unpack the Our Father in Catechism, um, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. Have mercy on me by delivering me from this evil. Jesus says, uh, ask and you'll receive. So if you ask for mercy, what will you receive? Mercy, right? That's why we keep asking for mercy, why the Jesus prayer is so integral. Um, So this is, like I said, an unusual sermon, but I want to... Some of you I know already have this kind of built into your daily life. Some of you, this might be the first time you've heard of it. Whatever the case may be, I encourage you to, um, to try and take up this prayer or take up this prayer more um, this week. Um, if you have anything with notches on it, I often use the, the links of my watch strap because there's like 12 of them. I can just kind of thumb through when I'm in a waiting room at a doctor's office, when I'm you know waiting for something, to, to just use that time for prayer. Um, if you want... Um, to have a little bracelet, kind of a fidget spinner, as it were, in your pocket to remember to pray. There's a little um, carton of these in the back of the church by the flyers. Take one, um, just to have a prompt to pray through the day. And, and there's a thing that, like any prayer practice, you learn things by doing it far more than could be explained um, in the abstract. I promise you that everything in my experiences, um, there's riches in practicing the Jesus prayer that I haven't found anywhere else. Um, and as well, it's one of two things that the Lord has used uh, to most profoundly anchor me to himself in a relationship. And so that's why I just want to pass it on, is I've found life in this practice. Maybe you try it and you're like, oh, it's not for me. That's fine. All I can testify to is it's really been life-giving for me to connect me to God. Um, so I commend it to you. The, this week, um, we'd all join the tax collector. I love this picture of a, a truly humble man. Won't even look up to heaven. I kind of stooped over. Have mercy on me. A sinner. My prayer for you um, is that in this and in all your prayers, that in His mercy you would continue to be justified, to be set right before God as He shows you His mercy. Amen.